Hello everybody, welcome once again. As we continue on in the study that we're doing through the New Testament, we have been uh, faithfully working through the New Testament over the last three years now. And we're doing good. We've, we've uh, you know, just covered the Gospels and we covered the book of Acts and out of the book of Acts and the missionary journeys, we started to look at the, uh, the letters that Paul wrote back to the churches that he started during his missionary journeys. And uh, we're, we're taking them pretty much in the order we believe he wrote them and we're, we're remembering and looking at these things in the context which they were written. Uh, Paul is answering questions um, about problems that have arisen in the early church. Remember the church is brand new and they're, they're working a lot of things out. They have a lot of issues. Uh, the, uh, the people that have come into the churches that Paul has planted, um, a lot of them don't have any type of uh, uh, background in what the church ought to be. Um, since it didn't exist, and, and so they, they're acting and doing some of the things that they probably shouldn't be doing, and it's causing some issues throughout the church, and Paul addresses them. He does it with love. Um, with the Corinthians, we, we've seen, because we've already done 1 Corinthians, we're, we're halfway through 2 Corinthians, that they were um, a fascinating group of people that the Lord had richly gifted them and, and blessed them, and yet they had a lot of issues that Paul was dealing with. Some were really big. And we've seen how, you know, through the first letter and now into this one, he's been dealing with major issues, but he's trying to love them through it, and he, and he keeps talking about the hope he has in them, that the, the love that they have for Jesus will, will help them um, figure this stuff out and continue moving them in the right direction. Well, we're up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 now, and um, we're going to look at chapter 8 this week and chapter 9 next week. And the two chapters together form um, a very interesting picture of um, the New Testament idea of the grace of giving and what that's all about and, and what that looks like in our lives. And uh, really, it's, it's fascinating. You know, um, back when we did the Gospel of John, one, one of the things that, that John wrote in his Gospel in, in John 1.17 was that the law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so in, in a sense... Um, the rest of the New Testament, all this stuff that we're, we're reading now is, uh, is an exposition on and of the grace and the truth that came through Jesus. It's uh, how this grace works compared to what everybody was used to doing under the law, those people, that, uh, at least the, the Jewish believers, what they had been doing, and now what does it look like in grace? And so um, uh, Paul begins to teach about what giving... Uh, what that attitude looks like in the heart of New Testament believers. And, and so these two chapters kind of hold a lot of that idea up that we need to look at. And uh, he does, again, something amazing here. He, he approaches his whole thing um, with a, a confidence uh, of that their response is based on the reality of Jesus in their hearts and lives. And that's what the New Testament, that's what, the, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That the things that we do, we're not trying to um, guilt people into anything, manipulate people into anything, uh, do any of those things. All we're, we're hoping is that, that people, that we all just respond to God because of what he's doing actively in our lives. And it should change our attitudes about everything. And so when Paul talks about giving, he's really just sort of encouraging the people, the, the recipients of this letter... Uh, that they're giving and that attitude should be a, a free and personal response to what's happening in their lives with Jesus. And uh, it's also interesting because it paints a picture of Paul and the way that he um, 
brings so much grace into his teaching um, and in the way that he uses the spiritual authority that he has as an apostle. Um, and so he's very careful about guarding the freedoms uh, of, of people to be personally responsible to God. And he'll, he'll say in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, we'll look at it next week, that, that, the, that this heart that we have for giving, um, it, it, should, it's, it can never be something that's reluctant or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And then he begins to talk about uh, the view of material possessions um, to the New Testament believer, and, and it's consistent, this idea is consistent throughout the New Testament. Jesus teaches about it, that believers aren't to trust in their possessions, um, they're not to consider material things treasures. Um, Jesus, you know, had a big teaching about uh, that you can't serve two masters, um, God or money, you're either going to love God and, 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 or you're going to love money, but you can't really love both. And, and uh, one will take second place in your life. You can't serve both God and money, Luke 16, 13. And so as believers, we're always supposed to give God the priority in our lives and then, and then use uh, whatever he, he gives us uh, to bless him and the kingdom. That's a very counterculture thing um, that we face. We're, we're sort of taught early on that you know, a person's worth is often measured by how much they possess and um, it's one of the bad definitions of success and worth in our culture because it's not the measure of a person. Um, it's not what people remember about you. Um, you'll be far more remembered by um, the people that you're in relationship with and the impact that you had because of that than you will because of whatever material things that you acquired throughout your life. And so um, this... This concept is what rings through this whole teaching about the grace of giving. Um, and, and so, and we need to understand, and I, I try and say this as often as I can, it, it, the problem isn't um, money, the problem is a love of money. And that's very clear scripturally. People, some, some try to say, often they take that Bible scripture and they say that money is the root of all kinds of evil, when in reality that's not what it says at all. It's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money in itself isn't the problem. You know, the, the way I always try and um, say this is that um, the, the difference comes at this point. Um, if, you're, if your money is serving you and serving the Lord, that's cool. If you're serving your money and your stuff, you've got, a, you've got things flipped. And yet the culture has us flipped all the time. That, that we're never satisfied hardly and we always push in for more stuff. And over, as we acquire more stuff, it takes more of our time. And then all of a sudden, we're living for our stuff instead of our stuff taking care of us, which is how it was supposed to be in the first place. And so we, we always are checking our, um, our motives. We need to be checking. And so the, the real issue about stuff and money is, is how it affects our values and choices in life. And that's the heart of it. That's really the whole deal, is, is how does money and stuff affect what you value and the choices that you make in life, and are they getting in the way of the things of God? Because if they are, they're not making you happy. Because anything that's getting in the way of the things of God is causing you a lot of stress and unhappiness, even if you don't know it. And so that, you know, I wanted you to have that in you as we begin to read these chapters and to be thinking about that along the way. So 2 Corinthians 8, we're going to look at tonight, 24 verses. I'm going to read them to you. I'm just going to talk about them for a few minutes when we're done, and then we'll, we'll get even deeper into it next week when we add the ninth chapter to it. 2 Corinthians 8.1 And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace 
that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. In addition, we're sending with them our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are represented as the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so um, here's what's going on. Part of the church is in a desperate situation because of famine. And, and the, the part of the church that's not undergoing that is um, taking up an offering to try and help the rest of the church um, as it's spread out now among the known world. And the church in Macedonia... Um, was all over helping these other churches and they were very, very poor in the process. And so they, but they knew that they could, so they wanted to share what they could with the church who had nothing in that area in order to try and bless them in some way. And um, the Corinthian church is doing pretty well. And they had said, oh yeah, we're all over that. We're gonna, we're gonna jump on that and help the other churches. But they hadn't sort of finished up. They'd gotten started but hadn't, finished what they said they would do. And so Paul's now saying, look, we're sending some guys because we've got we to gotta pick up this offering and deliver it. It's not like it you know, goes overnight FedEx back at that time. It's a pretty big deal to get stuff from one place to another. We're sending some guys that we trust down to pick it up. Please make sure that it's what you're going to do is ready. We didn't, you, know, you said you wanted to get involved. We're not commanding you to do this, but something you need to get involved in. And so that's kind of the background. And uh, I like this that Paul mentions the Macedonians and their willingness to give, 
but the, they weren't the prime example of the grace of giving. As cool as what they were doing was, because they were, they were given, even though they, it wasn't out of their abundance, it was out of what they had. The, the prime example of giving is Jesus. And that's what Paul says. Jesus uh, uh, demonstrated this grace, Paul said, in the fact that though he was rich, he gave all or became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. Jesus, fully God, came uh, the way that he came to earth, uh, miraculously, um, you know, uh, choosing to be born into this world in an amazing way, living among us, um, you know, think about the, the, what he left in order to do what he did, to die on a cross that we might have life. Uh, he's, he's an example of this idea of giving. He's the, the perfect example of what this whole thing looks like. And, and what Paul really is saying is because of what Jesus has done for us, we need just to be ready to respond to whatever direction God takes us in and to be aware of um, what we need to do and that as believers, um, we're, we're, it's not to be all about us. That's really, to me, the heart of this idea. And it, it gets down to everything that we try and do together here. Um, we, I call it um, being radically generous. And you guys are great at this. But we... Um, we try and be radically generous. We, we try and get out there and bless people in all sorts of ways. Um, we're not handing out checks on the street to people because I don't think that's what it means. But we are offering them help where we can, you know, food where we can, blessings for people when washing their cars and going to their houses and doing what we can do. We, we're, we're trying to be radically generous because that's the heart of New Testament believers in the, in the people that we reach out to. And, and, uh, and so we do that where we can and how we can. And the, the big thing that we have to look at is the willingness to do it. Uh, 2 Corinthians eight ten through 12, then Paul picks up that idea um, because he's pleased that the Corinthian church was, uh, had expressed a desire to help, but the Corinthians need to carry that out now to completion according to your means. That's a pretty significant deal in this whole thing too. Um, if the willingness, Paul says, is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. What that means is, in, in, as New Testament givers, um, it, it's not about the amount, um, it's about your willingness to give out of what you've got. That's really the heart of it. And that's really what God's looking for in, in our hearts. Are we willing to um, respond to his movement in our lives or are we kind of hanging on to stuff because it does come down to that. Who are you going to serve? It's a money's one of those things that's sort of a I heard somebody say this one time I'm trying to I'm always catching my words when I talk about this stuff but uh, I heard someone say this I, I thought it was really good the last thing that tends to get saved in a person's life when they come to Jesus is their wallet and pocketbook <laughs> it's kind of the last thing because we hang on to it why? because we're so used to it being what we sort of lean on it's become and, and instead of God. And so it, it takes, it's a process. But it's all about willingness. Okay, God, it's yours. And so, whatever. It's, it's a love that motivates us to give. That really becomes the main and significant issue. Jesus, in Luke 21, 1 through 4, said this. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. See, it's, a, it's an attitude of the heart. That, that 
it's a willingness to trust God and um, to respond where you can, out of what you can. And, and, uh, and that's significant in this grace of giving. Um, and then he talks about the principle of equality in 2 Corinthians 8, 13 through 15. He says that there might be equality. Now, the, the concept behind that isn't sort of a Christian communism in any sense. Paul, you need to understand, he's looking at the church and, and the way that it impacts him is on this worldwide scale at the time because that's what he does. That's, who he's de- that's what he's dealing with. He's out there planting churches all over the world. And he sees that church as one church in different little places. And the idea behind it is, is just like in today's times, uh, at certain points, uh, places in the world are going through more difficulties than other places. And as the church, we're supposed to be aware of that. And when we can, when we're in good seasons, we're to help places where they're not having such a good season in the hopes that in the future, that if, you know, if things switch around, that they would be willing to extend their help to us. And that's what Paul, that's all Paul is bringing in this. He's looking, he's stepping back and he sees his church in this worldwide scale. And he says, okay, so what we're going to do is, um, you know, as a church, when you can, and if you're doing good as a church, then you're going to go and, and, you know, send some help over to this church. And then later on, if the famine's over here, and that church is doing well, well, then they'll send some money back. Uh, whatever that looks like. Support back. Whatever. But that's the idea and the concept behind that. And because at this season, the Corinthians are enjoying a, a season of plenty, they're, they're sharing with the part of the church that's not. And then he, he, wraps up, he wraps up this chapter, last eight verses or so, um, that Titus and another brother are coming to take and distribute uh, their gift, and, and there's some other guys coming with them, and he says, look, you know, just make sure you guys are ready, so it's a, it's a positive reinforcement of how good we say you've been doing. And, uh, and so, you know, if you haven't got it together, get it together before we get there. So that's chapter 8, but there, he lays down a lot of stuff there Then we're going to pick up again and, and we'll tie it all together hopefully in chapter 9. That, that the idea in the New Testament in the grace of giving is that we're motivated out of love. We're not guilted into it. We're not manipulated into it. We're not chastised into it. Um, that it doesn't come in every... Because it's not supposed to be that when you're, when you, when you're giving that it, you, you're, up, you're mad about it. So then you're missing the point. You know what I mean? And so he doesn't want that. Paul doesn't want that for any of us. He wants it to be a joy to give, a, a blessing, to be able to return back something, a portion of what God's given us. And that needs to be the heart of what's going on, and, and he's certainly going to work with us until we all develop that heart in our lives. So we'll talk more about that next week um, when we look at Second Corinthians chapter 9. And um, if you're watching by tele- on television or on uh, video, we're very thankful for your time with us. We know how valuable your time is and we appreciate you spending these moments with us. Uh, If there's anything that you would like us to pray for, you can visit our website at keysvineyard.com and let us know and we'd be happy to pray for you. Um, And we'll see you again on the, uh, the next program or the next time you come to the website.